Uh, just adjusting the camera there. But good morning and good evening uh, to you. Um, uh, and thank you very much for joining us for this live broadcast of the Bible Believers podcast. I'm David Mackerith, your host. And uh, as I say, you're very welcome. Uh, Sandra says, please pray for Sydney because there is a, a, a Mardi Gras going on this weekend. And uh, Ian Harris adds, please pray for Melbourne because uh because we have this situation uh, uh, where we have anti-Israel and anti-Jewish protesters on the streets of the city hall and uh, or town hall steps. This is going on throughout England as well, where I live, and uh, these things are very concerning. Um, the, I would say there's a constitutional crisis going on in the United Kingdom now because of these things. People seem to be uh, above the law or beyond the law, and the government doesn't seem to know what to do about it. Uh, and it's not as if this wasn't seen to be coming for a very long time. It even seems to some of us as though it's planned and determined and deliberate. But these are difficult and dangerous days. And whatever men have planned behind that, we must see the hand of God, that God is giving us over to our sins, giving us over to our rebellion against him and saying, this is the outcome. This is the fruit of your own doings. Your own backslidings have brought this upon you. There's only one answer, and that's that we should turn back to the Lord Jesus Christ. People will seek a political solution here, a political solution there, but we must turn back to the Lord Jesus Christ. People put their faith in politicians. If only so-and-so were elected to be president of the United States, that would solve all our problems. But it won't solve any problems if we don't repent. We don't turn back to God through Jesus Christ. People don't think of that. So, for example, we have in this country politicians who are talking about looking for an answer to the problems of the nation but at the same time there is this massive push going on right now for uh, unrestricted abortion for ab abortion up until birth I and mean, it's bad enough that we have abortion at all but uh, the idea that an unborn child could be killed uh, even up until the point of birth and that this would be perfectly acceptable so that whilst men are looking for solutions uh, and looking for answers to the unrest in our country at the very same time they continue to the nth degree their rebellion against God and make no mistake this is at heart rebellion against God there's only one answer that we should turn that we should repent that we should believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for the saving of our souls in large number that's why we must get out there and preach the gospel and call sinners everywhere to repent. Uh, good morning, therefore, uh, to everybody here. Sandra, no drama, Ian, Amanda, Beska, welcome, and thank you for joining us for this uh, Bible study. Um, Beska points out that uh, the BLM protests happened during COVID uh, and... Um, and we're allowed to go on here in, uh, in the United Kingdom, certainly. But uh, those who even went out into the country to drink a cup of coffee were uh, arrested and uh, um, pursued by the police during the lockdowns. That was then. This is now. Things are worse now. Um, there seems to be there seems to be an abandoning of the of the foundations, a forsaking of the truth, and uh, now since we've mentioned BLM, my concern with BLM is its Marxist roots um, and uh, that uh, whatever we're protesting about, whatever we're complaining about, whatever the, the justness of our cause may or may not be, um, I object to Marxism. I object to the view that we should uh, have Karl Marx's doctrine in the place of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the Lord Jesus who said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. 
Well, here we are. We're, we're, we're moving on through the broadcast, and we haven't even come to our material for this morning yet. But uh, these are all very concerning things. These are very difficult days. They are expected times. We're looking at the book of Revelation in this particular study, and uh, these are expected times. Nothing should surprise us. It is distressing for us. It is very distressing for us to see these things. Uh, and we are very distressed by what is going on in our land, in our nation. There is no solution apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, be wise, Psalm 2. Be instructed, you kings, but will our governors, will our rulers, democratically elected or otherwise, will they listen? No, no, they're not listening. They're showing no signs of listening, and therefore the judgment must surely come. Well, we're looking at the book of Revelation. We're looking at the scroll with seven seals, and those seals, all of them are to do with the judgments of God. So, um, so these, there's no surprise here. There's no, there's no um, taking us out or catching us. And again, as I said, these things are still very distressing to us. Well, let's look at our study for today. And uh, we'll start by reading from the Word of God, by reading from the Bible. Uh, sorry, before I do that, I've, I've got to, I've, I've changed the microphone setup. So I would be most grateful if anybody who notices any notices problems with the sounds would just uh, put a note in the in the live comments, please, so that I can get some feedback if necessary on the sound quality during this broadcast. But our main concern is the content is is the Word of God. We're here to glorify God. We we are those who sigh over those things we've discussed here. Thank you, Ian, for that feedback. That's great, um, and. Um, so just first of all, Daniel chapter 9 and verse 24. Some of you will be aware that I preached on this recently. There is on Daniel praying for revival uh, series. There's three mini series. Three, uh, thank you, Amanda. Uh, three sermons on Daniel chapter 9. And the third one was on the 70 weeks prophecy. So if you want to hear what I had to say about my understanding of the 70 weeks prophecy, uh, the third sermon, Daniel praying for revival. Daniel chapter 9, verse 24, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and the prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Amen. And may the Lord bless that reading of his word to us. And now let's turn to Revelation chapter 5. I just want to, it's not a long chapter, so I'll read the whole chapter. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the back side sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor in earth neither under the earth was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, 
having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song saying, thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and hast made us unto our God kings and priests, we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea, and all that are in them heard I saying, Blessing and honour and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb for ever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth for ever and ever. Amen. Pesca, thank you for your comment. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you'd help us to study your word. These are glorious topics and we are not worthy of the things that are being revealed to us, yet they are revealed for our edification, our benefit, and for the furthering of your cause, and for the lifting up of the name of Jesus, and for the setting forth of the certainty of our salvation and the certainty of the glory which is to come. Father, we profess ourselves to be unworthy sinners, asking for forgiveness and cleansing in the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you that your Son is on the very throne of heaven today at your right hand, Father. We ask and pray that you would uh, that you would give us understanding of your word now and help us, Lord, to understand these glorious things that are spoken of thee. We pray that you'd fill us with your spirit, Lord. Uh, so there's been a request for prayer for Melbourne and for Sydney, Lord. Uh, and uh, we pray for Australia, Lord, and we pray for these nations, Lord, such as the United Kingdom here as well. Lord, the people won't hear, they won't listen, they won't they won't grieve or mourn over their sins. They won't return to you. They won't come back. They won't look at the Lord Jesus and see that he is altogether lovely. Oh, Father, have mercy, we pray. Oh, Father, in the midst of these judgments, in the midst of your wrath, in the midst of this giving over and handing over, have mercy. Mercy upon the children of our lands, Father. Have mercy upon the young people. Have mercy upon their parents, Lord. Oh, Lord, grant that our politicians, our rulers who seem so far of you grant that they would be wise grant that they would be instructed grant that they would return to you lord that there would be a great crying out and a great calling upon your name and a great repentance and a great putting away of sin and a great return to the lord jesus christ we pray for israel as well lord as the um big battalions seem to be on the other side they seem to be unopposed they seem to be prevailing in our lands lord again this is a judgment on us but we pray that you'd have mercy upon the jewish people we pray father that you would keep them by your grace we pray that they would the day would soon come when they will look upon him whom they have pierced and mourn and father we ask and pray also that uh, you'd help and strengthen those who are witnessing to muslims we remember our sister hatun tash in the united kingdom here and not just her, the others also, Lord, who are right in the firing line, speaking the truth in love, calling, calling Muslims to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. 
to see him as he is, the, the Lord of glory, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the eternal God, the Son uh, in the Holy Trinity. And Father, we ask and pray that you'd have mercy and help and strengthen your people in this witness. And so, Father, we ask you'd help us as we study your word now. and We commend ourselves to you now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. I do wonder how long I can continue to say the things and pray the things that we've just prayed and on social media. We always do this in love. There's not a single person in the world we hate. Um, and yet there are some things we must call out for being false and uh, untrue. And um, Mardi Gras is something which uh, is clearly uh, arrayed against God. Um, one of the saddest things last um, July, I was... Uh, with a group of Christians preaching the gospel at the London Pride March here was that there were those calling themselves Christians who were coming along to support the Pride March, saying that God was in favour of that. And nothing really provokes God's wrath more than, than, than people calling themselves Christians and saying it's fine to break God's laws, it's fine to sin, it's fine to do all these evil things which God hates. We're here to preach Christ. We're here to call sinners to repentance. We're here to lift up the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jasna in Slovakia, welcome. And uh, God be with you and thank you for joining us. Um, and uh, it's, it's wonderful to have you with us uh, as well as everyone else as well. Thank you. Um, uh, just recognizing your comment there, Kath. I didn't pick up, up on that before. Good morning. Gird up your armor and let's go to war in prayer. And uh, yes, indeed, um, our, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty. Um, and prayer is one of those weapons, isn't it, that God's given us. We can pray. Uh, Slovenia. <laughs> yes, Slovenia. No, I've got to get it right one of these days. Jasna, Slovenia. Uh, thank you. Um, uh, please forgive me, uh, Jasna. Um, uh, I, 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 maybe it's a... Uh, we're getting on a bit. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, we're looking at Revelation chapter 5, and I confess, um, uh, thank you, Yester, for your gracious uh, gracious response. Thank you. Um, we're looking at Revelation chapter 5, and, and when I, uh, just last night, looking at this, I just felt overwhelmed that I'm not worthy to teach on these things, and yet God has given these things to be taught on. I can't do them justice. I can't speak of the Lord Jesus Christ as I should. I can't lift him up as I should. I can't describe him as I should. I don't love him as I should. I don't follow him as I should. Yet God appoints sinful men to preach his word. And by God's grace, I hope we'll all derive benefit from this. Um, we've looked already at the Holy Trinity and um, the glory of God in, in the Holy Trinity. I, I, I um, uh, and uh, these things are so so glorious, and yet God has revealed himself to us in this way so that we might see him in his glory and see him in his power and in his majesty. Now, whatever we might, might picture we may paint in these days, whatever, however we might look and whatever we might see, we can't see yet what John saw with his eyes and whatever we may think. I'm sure that the vision is indescribably glorious and far greater than we could even possibly think or imagine and yet we will see this if we're christians we will see these things with our own eyes elvin welcome from new zealand and thank you for joining us and i trust that god will speak and encourage you and that uh, you won't regret joining us this this morning or this evening where you are and um and of course i forget it's summer where you are here it's just the end of winter but uh, for you it's getting towards the end of summer and uh, 
Um, our winter has been extremely mild, and I'm always thankful these days for a mild winter because uh, it makes for a very easy winter. But uh, um, uh, let's uh, well, let's look at the Word of God. Um, so, um, first of all, this role um, is in the right hand of God, uh, verse one, uh, Revelation chapter five, verse one. And I saw in the right hand of Him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the back side sealed with seven seals it's in the right hand of god surely that tells us something that if it's in the right of ha hand of god this role has something to do with the righteousness of god with the holiness of god with the glory of god 35 degrees c in um sorry i'm breaking up what i'm saying in 35 degrees c that's that's the point where i flop out on the couch and can't move so i trust that the lord is keeping you and um will keep you in that um, high heat perhaps that's not unusual where you are but here it would be very unusual well especially in winter <laughs> but uh, there we are this god is on the throne he's got this this role in his right hand and that speaks of his holiness and that speaks of his glory and it speaks of his the 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 the, the, the greatness of his purposes and the importance of this document um that he holds it in his right hand uh, uh, this is the father holding it and the, the, the lord jesus christ is going to be the one who opens it but to begin with it seems as though there's nobody that can open it it's a sealed document um it's one which is about to be opening um opened and it's a matter of very great importance uh, now i just want to just quote there's because there's lots of speculation about what this is in this document this writing that's on the inside and the outside and the um on the, within and on the back side this writing there's clearly a lot of writing there's no space wasted on this and um it's 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 called a book it'll be a scroll but uh, it's called a book here but it'll be a scroll which is sealed rolled up and sealed uh, and for example if we turn over to ezekiel chapter 2 verses 9 and 10 Ezekiel chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, we can read about a scroll. And uh, so little space to maneuver here, but with the new microphone set up, but that's just how it is. Uh, Ezekiel chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. And when I looked, and behold, an hand was sent unto me, and lo, a roll of a book was written. He spread it before me, and it was written within and without, and there was written therein lamentations and mourning and woe. So here's a, a scroll which has been supernaturally written, and it's like it's like the scroll in Revelation chapter five, as it was written within and without. And this scroll, um, this scroll has written lamentations and mourning and woe. Um, this scroll is connected with the judgments of God. Well, the scroll in Revelation chapter 5 clearly is co connected to the judgments of God, lamentations and mourning and woe. We have woes in Revelation. And um, so I, I think it's quite reasonable to say um, that a significant purpose of this scroll, uh, the significant purpose of this role is to, is to declare the judgments of God, is to set forth his coming judgments and this may not be all that it contains i don't i don't believe it is i think it contains the glories that are to come as well but uh, we should um note that that god's great judgments as as these seals are broken we'll look at the seals in a future study but as these seals are broken then we have the uh, we have the um the judgments of god coming forth but the breaking of the seals is not the same as the content of the role uh, and uh, we need to ask, what are the contents? What's so significant in this? 
in Isaiah 29 and verse 11, we have a sealed book. This roll is a sealed book. It's, it's, it's a sealed and um, uh, no man can read it. No man can see it or its contents. And uh, that's going to cause great distress to John in Revelation chapter 5 here. It seems as though no one can open it until the lion of the tribe of Judah is revealed. Isaiah 29 and verse 11. And the vision of all is become unto you as the words of a book that is sealed, which men deliver to one that is learned, saying, Read this, I pray thee. And he saith, I cannot, for it is sealed. That sounds like John saying, um, And I wept because no one was found worthy to open it. It's sealed. Who can open it? If we don't open it, no one can read it, um, and its contents can't be discovered. And so that's, Revel that's Dan Isaiah 29, verse 11. Now let's look at Daniel chapter 12, verses 4 and 9. Daniel chapter 12, verses 4 and 9. And I preached on this before when I was preaching on in that third sermon on Daniel uh, praying for revival, which is, um, I'll do the thing. You can find that below on the list of sermons here on uh, on this channel on YouTube. Uh, Daniel chapter 12, verses 4 and verse 9, um, concerning the things that were revealed to Daniel, we have chapter 12, verses 4, But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. We live in times of increase of knowledge, don't we? And many are running to and fro. And... and um, so that's Daniel chapter 12, verse 4, and chapter 12, verse 9. <clears throat> and he said, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. So these words in, uh, are sealed. Um, they're sealed in a book, Daniel's words. And there's a sense in which they're spiritually sealed. Although we can read the book of Daniel, yet um, these things can't be understood. And this is exactly what we find with the role in Revelation chapter 5. These things are sealed. The words of the um, this scroll cannot be understood until the seals are broken. <coughs> Excuse me. Until the seals are broken, until they are, uh, until the, the all seven of the, these seals are broken and they can be, um, then the role can be opened and it can be read, read and its contents can be discovered. Uh, Daniel chapter 8, verse Verse 46, Daniel chapter 8, verse 46, reads, and there isn't a verse 46, so it's verses 4 and 6, I think. Um, <laughs> there's my bad doctor's writing again. Uh, verses 4 and 6, and no, Daniel chapter 8, I've got 26. Excuse me, I have this problem with my writing. Uh, there we go. Verse 26, and the vision of the evening and the morning which was told is true. Wherefore, shut thou up the vision, for it shall be for many days. So it's a sealed vision. And this sealed vision, when these seals start to be opened by the Lord Jesus, by the Lamb, and we read about that in the coming chapters of Revelation, then this sealed document, this sealed vision that Daniel have starts to be opened and starts to be seen. And we are that generation, I believe, who will see this sealed vision, and uh, as I said, we, we may be given greater understanding by the Holy Spirit uh, of these things uh, as these things are opened, as what's sealed, what's hidden, what's concealed, what's sealed up until the end is revealed. It's this revelation, it's the book of Revelation. 
and um, this this document must be opened in order for the purposes of God to be fulfilled. Kath says, isn't it wonderful that with all the evil breaking out in the world, we don't have to be afraid as the shepherd of our souls is with us. Kath, that's heartening, and thank you for saying that. You're absolutely right. Fear not, little flock, the Lord Jesus tells us. He says he has overcome the world. And um, when we see these things begin to come to pass, we're to look up. We're to have strong confidence in the Lord Jesus. It's a horrible thing to see our countries, our nations fall into such wickedness but and we mourn over that but for ourselves we have no surprise over these things it's just really sad that so many are perishing and passing on so the breaking of the seals let me just raise the question is the breaking of the seals in revelation is that these seven seals is that the unsealing of daniel's prophecy but which would mean not just that the wording of the prophecy would be unsealed but uh, because we have that in daniel already but that the understanding of it, um, the revealing of it, the setting forth of it, the fulfillment of it is seen quite clearly and the, the working out of it is is begun and is, is carried through to completion. Well, I think uh, this certainly has connections with these verses that we've read in the Old Testament. So much of Revelation is rooted in other parts of the Bible. It's not a standalone book, uh, as some seem to think it's root, rooted in other parts of the Bible. Well, let's ask ourselves, what is this scroll? And uh, you can go to various commentators and you can find various uh, arguments. Uh, and um, and we can we can go to various uh, commentators. For example, uh, Tim LeHay, I've shown you his book in a previous broadcast, the last broadcast, I think, uh, is Classical Dispensation, Internal Interpretation of Revelation. He says, uh, this may be the classical um dispensational interpretation of the scroll i don't know that it is clearly it is the title deed to the earth uh, and uh, so um and the argument goes that satan has stolen the title deed to the earth and uh, that uh, the lord jesus will get it back when the uh, when the seven seals of judgment come and the scroll is open we'll find it says uh, that this person owns the earth it's an ownership document for the earth in the same way that somewhere in a cupboard here i've probably got a title deed to this place in which i live um uh, now this strikes me as being unlikely uh, and it strikes me as being an unscriptural thing first of all it's not big enough because it doesn't do deal with the new heavens and the new earth secondly it seems unreasonable to um to, to take back the earth just as it's about to be destroyed if we read these seals and we find that the earth is destroyed um, at the end of these seals and uh, with fire. So uh, it's, it's a worthless title deed anyway, uh, because the earth has been destroyed. Uh, and thirdly, because in Proverbs 24, verse 1, the Bible tells us, not Proverbs, Psalm 24, verse 1, we're told that the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. So if that doesn't put pay to the idea that Satan stole the title deed to the earth, uh, and it no longer belongs to God because of that, then I don't know what does. I think, I think I'm going to dismiss that view that it's the title deed to the earth as being unworthy of the material that we have before us. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So how a man like Lehay can say that, um, that clearly it's the title deed and be so confident about this to the earth, I don't know, but lots of people reading that uh, would take that in. The second thing is this, that, that some people argue that uh, the role has in it the book of revelation now um i've already said that uh, if the book prophecy of daniel is sealed up maybe the prophecy of daniel is, is in that um book 
Um, and uh, But I don't think that's the case. And the reason is, if we turn to Revelation 22 and verse... Revelation 22 and verse 10, we're told about the book of Revelation. Um, and he said unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. So it doesn't contain the book of Revelation because Revelation is an unsealed book and this is a sealed scroll. And uh, I was going to say Daniel was particularly, John is particularly told not to seal the book of uh, Revelation. It's an unsealed book because the time is at hand. So I reject that. I don't think it's the book of Revelation. Then some commentators believe that it's the book of life. And I like this idea. I like the idea that in that scroll is the book of life. Um, Ian says all uh, Beskar, God doesn't need a title deed, Amen, I agree with you Beskar absolutely, Ian says all creation belongs to God, Amen um, Ian says um, all creation belongs to God, LaHaye speaks nonsense on that, I agree with you but of course if, if somebody like LaHaye says it then lots of people will believe it unquestioningly because uh, they will uh, they will drink the uh, poison um, and uh, Kath says I noticed that during the breaking of the seals and judgment happening on the earth, uh, yes, um, well, uh, I, I, I'm, we could, Kath says, that at the same time the bride is being made white, certainly we find the saints in heaven uh, worshipping God, calling out for God to, to, to avenge them of their martyrdom, those that are martyred, and, uh, uh, and being prepared for that. So you could certainly make a case for that. Clearly, we see the glorified saints, and clearly Revelation uh, leads up to the point where uh, the New Jerusalem comes down from heaven as a bride adorned, and this is a picture of the bride of Christ being prepared for her spouse, the Lord Jesus Christ, for eternity. So um, the question is, is this the book of life? Well, I like that idea. I like the idea that this is the scroll. Now, we have here in Revelation 20, verses 12 and 15, Revelation 20, verses 12 and 15, we have this about the book of life. There are other quotes about the book of life in Revelation, and uh, you can do a search of that if you wish. But, for example, uh, those who don't have their names written in the book of life receive the mark of the beast and are condemned forever. Uh, that's why it's so important that we have our names written in the book of life. Without that, we can't be saved. Revelation 20, verse 12, we read, and I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. So here we have the book of life, which is opened. And we read in verse 15, And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So make sure your name is written in the book of life. How do I do that, you ask? Well, you make sure that you have repented of your sins and you have found Jesus Christ to be your saviour from sin. If you know Jesus as your saviour, your name is written in the book of life and that can never be expunged, can never be washed away or erased. Make sure your name is written in the book of life. There's no safety apart from that. There's nowhere else. Now, the argument goes that because the first book that's opened isn't the book of life, then perhaps it isn't the book of life that's found in this scroll. I like the idea that it's the book of life. Maybe it's all of these books. I have put up a sermon. I think you'll find this in the Revelation series and the Revelation playlist on 
on these words in Revelation. And uh, and in it, I argue what the contents of these other books might be. And there's biblical justification for those things. And I need to expand on that and do another sermon on that. But essentially, we can, from Scripture, at least speculate. We can argue what the contents of the rest of these books might be. I and mean, we're told here that, that, uh, that, uh, that their works, for example, of um, people are written in these books. And uh, uh, there's God has a perfect record of everything we've ever thought, ever done, ever said, and we are compared to His law and judged in that way. But, but, um, but the thing is here that the, the Book of Life isn't the first one open, so it may not be the Book of Life, or it may be the Book of Life. I can't say. I like the idea, um, and we must think that through for ourselves. Now, um, then there's also the idea that. Uh, well, the book of life is to do with judgment, isn't it? Whose service name was not found written, the book of life was cast into the lake of fire, but also to do with glory. Think about those whose names are written in the book of life. Uh, your name and my name, I trust, are written in that book by grace, not because we deserve it, but because of what Jesus has done. So my opinion, what do I think? Um, now, just to check here, that... Okay, yeah, there was another view, which is that all of God's decrees, all of God's decrees throughout eternity are all written on that scroll. So this scroll has everything that God has ever done, everything that God is doing, and everything that God will ever do is written on that scroll. That's another view. Now, that would be a very large scroll, and God can do that. Um, um, I, it makes me wonder if the whole of pi, the, the number pi, is written on the scroll, if that's the case. But uh, we didn't worry ourselves with that. If you, if you think about that, you'd end up tying yourself in philosophical knots, and we're not here to do that. God could do that, um, but I don't see evidence in the text that this contains everything that God has ever done or ever will do. This scroll is connected with the return of Jesus Christ. This scroll has to be opened before the Lord Jesus Christ can return. This scroll has to be opened as the outworking of God's wrath and his judgments. And his content, the contents of this scroll are very much concerned to do with the events that take place at the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that because when the seven seals are opened, the Lord Jesus returns. And that's at the end of the sixth seal, which we'll be doing in subsequent studies. But so what's my opinion on this scroll and its contents? Well, I, I, I want to go back to Daniel 9 and verse 24, which we read at the start. And this is my opinion. And again, this is one of those areas in Scripture where we, we can't be certain, but we can have our opinions and we should study the Scriptures and seek more light. But we hear, we read, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. And I think that it's these contents of this verse which are on that scroll because it covers everything to do with the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, all the events, all the positive things, the the uh, establishment of his throne, the uh, rapture of the saints at the end of the age, the uh, bringing in of everlasting righteousness and the negative things, the burning up of the heavens and the earth, the, um, the destruction of the earth with fire the uh, judgment of uh, the ungodly and their, uh, their, their casting forth from the presence of God into the lake of fire. 
And I think that if we were to summarize verse 24, uh, verse 24 is a summary of what the contents of the scroll. This is what I, I my, my opinion, um, uh, that the whole purpose of the contents of this scroll is concerning with concerned with the bringing in of everlasting righteousness. The contents of the scroll are concerned with the bringing in of everlasting righteousness. Now, to a certain extent, nobody could argue against the, the idea that the scroll has the um, contents of uh, Daniel chapter 9, verse 24, uh, expounded upon it. And uh, that's uh, because, because it's a generalization. Uh, so nobody can really argue against that. But the specifics are found elsewhere in Scripture, particularly in the book of Revelation. But uh, my opinion is it has to do with the bringing in of everlasting righteousness. But that's that's an opinion, and that's based on thinking about it and praying about it. But uh, but you'll find that many Christians have different opinions on this. Some think it's the title deeds to the earth. I don't think that does justice to the Lord Jesus Christ or to his work. So that's the scroll itself. It has something very important to say. It's sealed, closed. Nobody can open it, it seems. And <clears throat> this scroll has to be opened in order for the purposes of God to be fulfilled. And verse 22, oh, sorry, I'm still looking at Daniel 9 there, but let's go back to Revelation chapter 5. And, uh, and it's not verse 22. Um, and verse 2, there's the father on the throne with the scroll in his right hand. And I saw a strong angel, John says, proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy? to open the book <clears throat> and to loose the seals thereof. And when I read this, I couldn't help thinking of uh, my brothers who preach in the open air and uh, uh, strong angels proclaiming with a loud voice, um, who is worthy? Um, and uh, preaching the Lord Jesus Christ as the one who is worthy, the one who has paid the penalty for sins, standing on the street corners uh, like and declaring the wisdom of God, crying out and calling to the simple to turn aside, that's, that's Proverbs chapter 8, turning them to turn aside, a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, a, an open-air preacher, a gospel preacher, a herald of the truth, um, a man appointed by God. And that's just what I couldn't help thinking about when I, I thought about this strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice. This is clearly really important. And also, this is a loud voice. This voice must go um, forth to the very ends of the earth. It must go forth down through the ages. It must be heard um, uh, in verse 3 there, and no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth. Uh, it must be heard to the very ends of heaven. It must be heard on the earth. It must be heard by everybody on the earth. It must be heard by everyone under the earth, everyone who has ever lived, those who are alive and those who are dead, those who are glorified. This strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book? It is extremely important that uh, this book is opened, that these seals are broken, that this uh, this prophecy, this con the contents of this book are declared, that they are worked out, that they are read, that they are heard, that they are fulfilled, and yet that can't be until the seals are broken. And uh, it's as though every human being that uh, has ever lived is interrogated. You're interrogated and I'm interrogated by the angel's voice. We are sought out. We are searched. We are, um, we are, we are, we are sifted. We are, we are. There is searches on for someone who can open the seals. Somebody who has the strength or the power or the ability to open these seals. And as each of us is, um, each of us is measured up, and each of us is assessed. 
not one of us is found worthy. Not one of us is found who can open the um, seals. Uh, there's no woman that can open the seals. Um, there's, um, I think it's in Proverbs or maybe it's in, in Ecclesiastes that uh, Solomon says is uh, only found one man among 10,000, but a woman he could not find. And that's speaking, that man among 10,000 is the Lord Jesus Christ. Apart from him, there is no one. Ecclesiastes, thank you, Beskar. I, I, I couldn't quite remember where that was, but it's it's um, in Ecclesiastes. That that, that one among 10,000 isn't you or me, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no woman and there's only one man, and we'll come to that in a second. But, but as we're interrogated, one by one, we're found wanting. We're weighed in the balances and found wanting. We aren't able to do that. No man or no woman, no strong person. I might have, um, I might be a bodybuilder. I might be very strong. I might be a weightlifter. Um, uh, but I can't break those seals. Uh, I might invent a machine, but I can't invent a machine that can break those seals. It's not physical strength that breaks the seals, that opens the scroll. It's moral strength, and nobody has that moral strength. Only the person who has never sinned, only the person who has fulfilled all righteousness, only the person who has done God's will perfectly can open the scroll. And as, as the living and the dead, those in heaven and those on earth are searched, not one is found. Uh, we, we, we find that here. Um, an angel couldn't do this. We've had the vision of those mighty creatures. I think they're seraphim, maybe they're cherubim, uh, um, before the throne of God. But those mighty created holy angels can't open the seals. Um, it's not possible for them to do that. It can't be done by an angel. It can't be done by a man. And in verse 3, and no man in heaven nor in earth nor under the earth was able to open the book. And no Christian could open it either. A Christian is saved by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ, through his blood. But we are worthiness is in Jesus Christ. We are not ourselves worthy. No glorified saint could open the seals. And um, there's all the difference in the world and in heaven and in eternity between a saint and an unbeliever, between a Christian and a non-Christian, between one who is saved and one who is lost. But even those who are saved can't open the seals. We're not worthy in ourselves and of ourselves. So no rich person or poor person, no religious person, no bishop or archbishop um, or minister or pastor or teacher uh, could open those seals. Um, and no one is found. And it shows us, um, this shows us the greatness of the gulf between us and God that sin has caused. It's not that sin is a minor problem. It's not that sin is a little problem. It has completely separated us from God. It has utterly destroyed the relationship. It has totally alienated us from God. Today, we have very little preaching on sin and the sinfulness of sin in our churches. But today, we heal the hurt of the daughter of the people slightly, um, uh, and uh, that's Jeremiah, I think, and uh, and we're saying peace, peace, when there is no peace because we think of sin as a slight problem. But here, every single man and woman and child is separated from God <coughs> um, by their sin. Well, no one was found worthy, and of course, there is one man, the Lord Jesus. And uh, I know you know that. I'm not I'm not suggesting you didn't, but uh, but the key thing is here. <coughs> we see mankind desolate. We see mankind naked before God, powerless before God, condemned before God, guilty before God, and helpless before God. 
we see mankind in his wickedness, in his corruption, in his powerlessness. All those who uh, boast against uh, God, all those who think that it's a light matter to break the law of God and that they can stand. There are so many people out there who think they can stand on the day of judgment and answer God back. They have no idea of the God they're dealing with. He's the God of this um, of, of Revelations chapter 4 and 5 here, a God before whom we must stand, a God with whom we have to do, a God whose eyes are as a flame of fire and uh, uh, and before whose throne thunders and lightnings go forth and so on and so we have here this is the great gulf between ourselves and god that sin has caused not one man not one person not one woman is able to open the seals <clears throat> none are righteous we're all together become corrupt <clears throat> all together become corrupt note that this is um again this is not this is our moral state we are we are unable to open the seals because we are unworthy, because we are lost and ruined. Or even if we're saved, we're saved by the grace of God and not by our works and not by our strength. And it shows us the, um, it shows us, this verse shows us the futility of human religion as a means of salvation. All of those who've been religious in their lives, who trusted in their religion, whether it's been Buddhism or Hinduism or Islam or, or whatever it is, or even if it's Christianity and it's going to church and it's uh, going through uh, genuflections and um, smells and bells and all of that stuff and everything else and thinking that that religious services save us. It shows us the futility of religion. It shows us that religion doesn't save us. It shows us that man's religion uh, is will worship. It's futile. It's empty. It's a living, saving relationship with Jesus Christ that saves us. This declares to us the false hope of false religion. Of course, to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ isn't false religion. It's to know the truth. It's to know him. It's to believe on him. But, uh, but this verse declares to us that there isn't a religion in the world that saves a man. It's Jesus Christ who saves alone and him alone. Uh, and, and all of that is found to be worthless idolatry. No man, for all of his religious practices, he may have whipped himself, he may have beaten himself, he may have starved himself, and yet none of that helps him to stand before God. Yasna says God is love, but also righteousness, and um, and uh, God is righteousness, Yasna, that's absolutely true. And uh, God's righteousness in the Lord Jesus Christ, God's righteousness and his love meet because he is able to show love to the unlovely because his son bore the punishment for our sins. Uh, Christians um, who trust Jesus Christ are saved, but we by ourselves are not worthy to open the seal. And that's it. The only place we can be saved is in Jesus Christ. And John weeps. John weeps. He weeps uncontrollably. He weeps with all his being. He is un. He is about to be consoled, but it seems initially that he is unconsolable. And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. This is no insignificant matter that John weeps. <clears throat> John sees that no one is able to open the seals. And this presents us a picture. It's a picture, as it were, of of what the world would be like if Jesus had never come into the world, if he'd never gone to the cross of Calvary, if he'd never died. The most important thing that happened in the whole of history was that Jesus came into the world and went to the cross and died in the place of sinners. 
and paid the penalty for sin and is raised from the dead and is alive today. And of course, now we're looking for the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. But John sees the world as though the Lord had never come into it, as though sinners have been just left to their sins, just left to their devices, just left to continue without the Lord Jesus Christ, as if no salvation had never been purchased with the blood of Jesus, as if there was no mercy, as if hope had never come into the world. He sees the world as though there were no reconciliation to God, as though there was no answer to sin. He sees the world as if there was no grace. In the world that John sees, the devil wins. <clears throat> the Antichrist prevails and God is vanquished from the earth. Now, this isn't going to be what happens and this cannot happen. But this is what John sees. He sees what it would be like if, if there was nobody who can open these seals, then God is unable to fulfill his purposes. Uh, and therefore, this is what he sees. And no wonder John weeps. What a picture of desolation. What a picture of hopelessness. What a picture of darkness. What a picture of slavery and bondage to sin, where all the evil and all the unrestrained corruption of men's hearts is unbridled and runs amok until, until um, the end of time. No wonder John weeps as he sees, as he contemplates this picture and this vision. It is a picture in which um, all are lost. It's a picture in which the Lord Jesus never died and never was raised. Alternatively, it is a picture which says the Lord Jesus was able to die and he was able to be raised from the dead, but he cannot now bring to completion what he started. It's a picture which says that uh, it's a picture that says the completion of our salvation, the bringing to many sons to glory isn't possible. God has begun but cannot finish. And John sees that and feels it and weeps over it. But what John sees, of course, isn't, isn't the whole truth. Isn't the whole truth. But we do well to pause and think about this. If Jesus hadn't come into the world, and if Jesus wasn't God, then we could never be saved. If God hadn't decided to send him, if God hadn't arisen in his mighty power and sent, if God the Father hasn't sent and given the Son for our sins, then we could never be saved. And if God wasn't all powerful and his power wasn't infinite, then he could never bring to completion those things which has started. John sees what would have happened if there was no power, if there was no. And it's really important that he sees that we can see then we can contrast then the greatness of what God has done, the sending his son or bringing mercy into a world full of sin, or bringing salvation to those who cannot be saved by their own works of bringing righteousness where there is only sin and rebellion, of glorifying God amongst those who hate God and who are rebels to the uttermost before him. So what John sees is not the truth, but what John sees he must see and we must see. Without the Lord Jesus Christ, there is no hope. Without the Lord Jesus Christ, there is only a certain expectation of judgment. But one of the elders comes to John and, and one of the elders on the throne, one of the 24 elders, a saved man himself representing the people of God. And he says to John, weep not, weep not, my friends. Weep, Ian says, well over 10 billion humans ever and only one was found worthy. Such is sin. How sad yet how glorious is he? Absolutely are many and one was found worthy. The Lord Jesus was found worthy. And uh, and the extraordinary thing is that his worthiness is greater than all of those 10 billion who are unworthy. 
one in 10 billion, and yet his worthiness exceeds them all. And um, how extraordinary and how remarkable and how wonderful that is, Ian. And we love, don't we, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we, we are thrilled that the Lord Jesus came into the world and sought us. And we can't understand why when we go out in the streets and we see those rebelling against God and we mourn over that and we sigh over that, we can't understand why people don't love the Lord Jesus, but they hate him. And we can't understand that. And it seems to us he is altogether lovely uh, and we love him and, 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 and we've found him. And uh, verse five here, one of the elders said unto me, weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David um, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. Suddenly in an instant, John's weeping stops. Suddenly the whole picture changes. Suddenly, Suddenly, where the situation was hopeless, where there was only darkness, where there was only uh, when there was only destruction, when there was only devilish wickedness, suddenly a lion arises, a lion appears, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the Lord Jesus Christ, in His power, in His might, in His victory over um, uh, 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 over sin, and His triumph over the grave. Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ is seen. Weep not. There is one who is worthy to open the um, seals. He is worthy to open this document that it might be read, that it might be fulfilled. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ has overcome. The lion of the tribe of Judah is found worthy. Even if you say, you know, as 10 billion are found unworthy, as we're all searched and uh, uh, all of us are found wanting, Yet the Lord Jesus Christ is found mighty. He has that moral beauty, that absolute perfection, the holiness of God. And yet he is also a man and he is able to open these scrolls. He has prevailed, we are told in this passage. He has prevailed uh, and uh, he has uh, prevailed over sin and death and hell. He has prevailed over, uh, 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 over uh, the, the powers of darkness. He has prevailed and fulfilled the will of his Father in heaven. He has prevailed even to the point of the death upon the cross and bearing the punishment for our sins. Now, the Lord Jesus has therefore condemned the world in his righteousness and in his prevailing, but us he has saved and redeemed and brought back so that our song and our rejoicing is that this one who is mighty, who is powerful, the lion of the tribe of Judah, who we'll go on to see is also seen as a lamb that was slain, has prevailed to open the seals and to bring in the final judgments and to fulfill that sealed prophecy, which is about to be um, un revealed and opened and declared to the world. The Lord Jesus Christ has prevailed. None of God's purposes can ever be thwarted. Jesus told us, didn't he, that not what one jot or one tittle of the word of God would pass away. Nothing would pass away till all be fulfilled. It is impossible that the purposes of God could be thwarted. It is impossible for the Antichrist or Satan or all those billions of sinners together to stand against God. Heaven and the earth will flee away, but God will be there in his glory and uh, um, no one can no one can fight against God and prevail. The lion of the tribe of Judah arises in his power, in his glory, and he is the one who has prevailed. He can open these seals. What no one else can do, the Lord Jesus Christ can do. It only takes one to break the seals. It only takes one to bring an end. It only takes one to 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 um, to um, 
fulfill Daniel chapter 9 and verse 24 and bring in everlasting righteousness. And that's what the Lord Jesus Christ's purpose are, is our now. The lion of the tribe of Judah, seen by, I'm going to say Daniel, seen by John here in uh, this passage in Revelation chapter 5. His business is to break the seals and to bring in um, everlasting righteousness. Well, the purposes of God cannot be thwarted. God reigns. No one can interfere with the reign of God. God reigns. He reigns forever. He reigns perfectly. There is no part of creation anywhere that is not under his sovereign authority and power. And what he has said, he will perform. What he has said, he will do. And he will come again in righteousness. The Lord Jesus Christ will come again in righteousness. Um, Beska says getting stream issues. Okay. Um, so the Lord Jesus Christ is coming again. Nothing can ever thwart his purposes. No power can interfere with his purposes. No uh, enemy can stop him or fight against him. The Lord Jesus has prevailed. He has overcome. He can open the seals. Weep not because the Lord Jesus will bring in everlasting righteousness. For us, that means absolute security for our salvation and absolute security for the day when the Lord Jesus Christ will return. And what God has given us, he will never take from us. What he has said, he will accomplish. What his purposes are, he will fulfill. The Lord Jesus Christ, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, he has prevailed now, that's great and glorious news to us. But who would want to be his enemy in the day of his return? Jesus Christ is coming back very soon. Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ? Is he your saviour from all sin? Father, we ask and pray that you would have mercy upon us. We know that the Lord Jesus will return very soon. There was a time when we were full of hopelessness. There was a time when we did not see the Lord Jesus and everything we saw was empty and worthless and everywhere we stood was sinking sand and the ground gave way beneath our feet. And Father, we live in a world with so many, instead of fleeing from the wrath to come and seeking Jesus, seek to hide from you in, in pride marches and hide from you in wars and rumours of wars and everything else, Lord. And but we trust in the lion, our beloved Savior, the Lord Jesus, revealed as the one who has prevailed. He prevailed over the grave. He prevailed over sin. He never sinned. He was pure. He was holy. He was righteous. And he dealt with the guilt and power of sin as he took it upon himself and became the propitiation and sacrifice for our sins. Father, help us today to walk in the knowledge of this truth to realize as we look around, as we see our nation sinking into the mire of wickedness and as we see our um, governments confused and our rulers going deeper and deeper into wickedness and we see no answer except this gospel, help us to remember the exceedingly great mercies that we have received, but you opened our eyes, that you revealed him to us, that you showed us him, that he, he loved us with an everlasting love, that he sought us, that he pursued us, that he prevailed over us and brought us to himself and found us and made us his own and father we know that we're not worthy yet thank you that our robes are the robes of righteousness which have been given to us the robes of the righteousness of jesus christ and whatever we wear in the world today we know that you have given us these robes you see us clothed in the righteousness of jesus christ and you 
You can't find any fault with the righteousness of Christ. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for dying for us. We thank you for giving yourself for us. Help our evangelistic efforts. We so much mourn and grieve that those who live in our streets, who live in our towns, who live in our cities, who live in our villages and so on, that they, they don't know you, that they don't love you, they don't, they don't follow you, that they are on the very verge of hell. And, oh, Lord, help us in our evangelism. Help us to reach them with this gospel. Father, we ask and pray that you'd have mercy upon our nations. We're praying for Australia today, but have mercy upon Australia. Have mercy upon New Zealand, Lord. And these other nations uh, represented here, um, England, Slovenia, and others as well, Lord. Have mercy, we ask and pray in Jesus' precious name. And forgive us for our sins, Father, we ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Welcome, Jacoba, and thank you for joining us. And uh, that's understood. Thank you for your recent comment also on the previous uh, broadcast. And uh, thank you for um, sharing your own experiences with us. Um, so uh, I, can't do I can't do justice to Scripture. No preacher can, but we must try. But everything's about Jesus, isn't it? And uh, all things are about the Lord and about his glory and his coming reign. For me, I just want to sing and say hallelujah and uh, thank God for the greatness of his mercies and his glory. And uh, we will see it. Um, uh, yeah, best girl, give me all in my lamp, keep it burning. Uh, give me joy in my heart. I pray I sing that and uh, I sing it in the car. And uh, I think it's great to sing in the car. And uh, uh, I won't sing it now. I'll spare you from that, Beskar. But that's, uh, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's stuck in a traffic jam or uh, something like that. It's a great one to sing. And um, um, <clears throat> Amen. And uh, the Lord be with us. So comments, questions, um encouragements are our encouragements thank you for the way that people are interacting not only with the study but with uh, one another encouraging each other here um and uh, and uh, there there is a christian sister uh, in australia who who is uh, very poorly um she doesn't normally comment in the live broadcast in the comments but i just want to say sister if you are listening the lord be with you and we pray for you that you would find mercy and god's strength and blessing at this time and encouragement um but uh <sighs> we, we long for the lord's return we really do Thank you for saying thank you, Jacoba. Um, yeah, yes, it's it, it, it's a mystery. Ian, it's Ian says I once had two colleagues. One was a Luciferian, and the other defiant. And uh, we've all had common colleague, colleagues um, of various different backgrounds. But it's a mystery to us why people don't love Jesus. They hated him without a cause, so of course it will be a mystery because there isn't a cause why men should hate Jesus. Yeah, that's where I was before I became a Christian. Uh, he didn't come and seek me and find me when I loved him or when I was 
showing an interest in him, the Lord Jesus found me when I was walking away from him, when I was hiding from the light, when I despised him. That's when the Lord Jesus met with me. That's when the Lord Jesus Christ sought me. And the same is true for all of us. And we haven't all committed every sin, but we're all capable of committing any sin. Some of us have had more restraints in our lives, maybe godly parents, or we've been brought up in a society where there was law and order. And um, well, praise God, uh, Ian, that those two um, helped to bring you to the Lord Jesus Christ and to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, it's funny, sometimes the ungodly can bring us to the, uh, can point us to the Lord, and that's was true in my case as well. That uh, well, even the things that are set up as enemies of God that say we will tear down God's uh, message and destroy this gospel, and they, they, um, they, they work to bring people to the Lord, and the Lord makes His enemies to praise Him, and He makes His enemies to He uses His enemies for His glory, and they can't do anything about that. Praise God that um, praise God that the Lord used that. Ian, thank God that you're a brother in Christ, and um, thank the Lord for everybody here. Thank you for being with us this morning, Amanda. Thank you for your encouragement as ever, uh, Amanda. The Lord's given you a gift of encouraging God's people, I believe, and you're a big encouragement to me. And thank you for that, Amanda. Um, and the Lord bless you and encourage you. And uh, uh, and strengthen you for the day ahead or the night ahead, because of course it's you're ahead of us. Um, and uh, I, I just want to say again, I love that I love the angel. The angel, uh, an angel proclaimed with a loud voice, and I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice. And that reminds me of my brothers who go and preach in the open air. A strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice. We should be lifting up our voices, or in whatever way God calls us to do, we should be declaring the gospel, telling the world about Jesus, calling the world to repentance, standing up uh, and uh, declaring. We're, we're not saying who is worthy. We're saying Jesus is worthy. We're unworthy. We're exposing sin. We're speaking out against the evils of our day and often suffering as a result of that. And, of course, we're thinking about uh, Western English-speaking countries uh, very often, um, not always. Um, we've got um, Slovenia here and um uh, which is a Western country, of course, and uh, but we have um, but all these other countries in the world um, and God's people persecuted in many of those countries. Um, Ian, yes, um, uh, this is this is a meeting of God's people, and some of us are getting to know each other online to a certain extent, and we're enjoying fellowship, and this is fellowship in the Lord, but it's not a church, and I, I, I'm not going to ever. Unless it becomes very, very clear, I'm not going to ever try and form this into a church because I think that we still should all be seeking a local church in in our locations. But in so much as this is used by God to encourage Christians, some of us don't have fellowships that we can go to. Some of us don't have any fellowship at all. If this can be a blessing and an encouragement to you and a means of instructing and encouraging us in the word of God, then I'm very thankful to the Lord for that. But, um, but uh, may we also find local fellowship and local encouragement um at the moment i don't do live broadcasts on the lord's day um on sundays because that i think that would undermine local churches and that's not what i want to do that might change if it seems necessary maybe in days to come we can only fellowship online that we won't be able to meet with other christians it was a bit like that during the lockdowns wasn't it and um 
uh, it may be that that will cease as well in the, in the days to come we may have to stand alone and walk alone and 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 follow the lord jesus alone so let's enjoy every fellow piece of fellowship every bit of fellowship with the people of god we we can and let's value each other in the lord jesus christ very greatly before the lord kath maranatha lord jesus and um yes thank you um everyone else thank you kath amanda i was pointed to the lord by something unbiblical that a christian said well i i i, I amen yes and um in my case, uh, I say this, I say it advisedly because I never, never would recommend watching this, but it was watching the blasphemous musical Jesus Christ superstar that had a huge impact on me. And God used that as part of the part of the things that brought me to him. There were many other things as well, but uh, I would never recommend watching that. It's horribly blasphemous. But me as an unbeliever that God used that to, to, to and, and he used his enemies. He used those who hated him to, to, to lead me to the Lord Jesus Christ. Glory to the Lord, glory to the Lord Jesus' name. But I would never watch that now. Um, I'm, I'm very heartened by our brothers and sisters in Christ in Australia. And um, uh, this, uh, I, I must say this, I find, I find a real determination to pray um, with the Christians who I'm in contact with in Australia and may the Lord fire you up for prayer and stir you up for prayer and anoint you for prayer and pour out his Holy Spirit upon you in, in prayer, praying for your nation and praying for the cause of Christ. Yasna, um, <laughs> my handwriting in, <laughs> um, that's my handwriting. A spider has walked across, a spider has walked across the page. Um, I'm afraid um but thank you for your comment in um yasna i know brother in christ who evangelizing in croatia and um well praise the lord for that and the the, the harvest is plenty the workers are few pray ye therefore that the lord would send forth workers into the harvest well i'm going to have to call an end to that these are gradually getting longer these these broadcasts and it, it's such, such a blessing to be to be here and to be doing this but um but we must call an end to it god willing the next live broadcast would be on Friday evening, and we'll continue with another um, study on the subject of marriage, divorce, and remarriage. Uh, and uh, by God's grace, we'll have something profitable and useful to say on that subject, something profitable and useful for everybody, not just for those in that situation. Okay, and <laughs> the Lord bless and be with you all. Amen. I'll turn the camera off. I'll leave it running for a minute or so if people want to give their final greetings. Thank you for being with us this day, and the Lord be with us all. Amen.